Thank you for joining us on Front Porch Theology, and as you can tell, I'm not Heather Cook. She is out on maternity leave. Wow, it turns out she was actually pregnant yeah, all so these times. Okay, so it's really funny. It's how many times that she was like, I got mad at people who said I was pregnant. I'm not pregnant. I'm stop not pre- asking me stop if I'm pregnant. Me. Yeah, all the time. Turns out. And it is. Well, so was. she you know, she'll make the claim that she was actually not pregnant, yeah. but you know, you had all those instances with her family she and then all of a sudden there's a baby. All of a sudden. Uh, explain that to me. <laughs> so, um she has a little girl? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Good job. Proud of you. Good job. <laughs> and, uh, they are they are great foster parents. Yes. And um, yes, they and are. so we're giving her a little time off and it's a little bit crazy because of it summer. Is. It is. Summer so travels. We're actually on the front porch right now. We on back porch, actually. Okay. Back I, porch theology. I get confused. Sound, All yeah. right. Yeah, back porch <laughs> theology. <laughs> so, um, so it's kind of like how, like, if you remember, uh, oh, what was that, what's that popular morning show when they were like, Regis and Kathy Lee, except yeah. it hasn't been that in like 30 years, but like, when Regis left, they started like trying to find other people. Regis and Kelly Regis for a little bit. Yeah. Right. So that's what we're doing. We brought somebody in for a couple weeks. Uh, Michael Meadows, how's it going? It's going good, yeah. So absolutely. who are you? I'm Michael Meadows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for joining us on the back porch, man. Absolutely. <laughs> this is actually a, uh, a back deck. Okay. Yeah, it's back deck theology. I mean, we're like three stories high. We are, yeah. We're third I feel story like up. It's not just a porch anymore. So right? we're at an Airbnb in Nashville, Tennessee while we're recording this. Yeah. And yeah, third story balcony. Um, beautiful summer night. The, the moon is out. It's very Crescent very moon nice. right above us. The twist very is nice. open and... The twist is open late in Milton. The the twist in Milton actually closed down, Michael. Did it really? Yeah. I know that. All right. I'm going to have to leave this Moment of silence (laughs) for the twist, please. Okay, that'll do. So, Michael, you're a pastor at? New Hill Church in Medina, Ohio, just south of Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Rock on, man. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about um, the sufficiency of Scripture. And um, so just to kind of open things up, uh, I have – I'm really curious. First off, what is – What's that even mean? Sufficiency of Scripture. So this the the doctrine of the Scripture sufficiency is just a orthodox belief um, among the church that the Scriptures are complete. So what we would call the canon, um, which means rule or measure, um, the complete sixty six books of the Bible are um, authoritative. They are inerrant. And they are sufficient, meaning that we have what we need, uh, for what God has needed to reveal um, himself in salvation and Christ. All of those things are recorded in Scripture, and so that is, the, um, that is what the church needs, and all the church needs, um, to, carry out, to carry out what God's commanded us. All right, so, okay, so put, this, put that in like we're six. The Bible. Like how would you teach this to your like your, your kids? The Bible is enough, and you don't have to stir up any kind of magic voodoo potions to hear from God. Okay, so okay, so when we say the Scripture is enough it, for for faith and practice for all things, it's it's why we teach from the Bible because it's sufficient for all of our needs in in our yeah in in our life. Yes. Okay. Yes. So so how is it? Now this is what I'm curious, and, and Michael, jump in whenever you want, but like. So how do how do pastors fail in teaching us? Because I don't, I feel like most people will say they affirm that, but I think in practicality we don't we don't live that out. So like first off, before we get to like people in the congregation, like how is it as pastors or, or how do pastors fail in in properly teaching this or even practicing 
uh, a sufficiency of scripture. I mean, first and foremost, I think we're seeing a trend towards uh, many churches not even opening their Bibles on Sunday mornings. Um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go as old school to say that you have to have your physical copy, like everybody has to have that. But, I mean, there's there's something said about that that visual side of a pastor opening up the scripture um, because it's, it's God's word to us. And it, it means something when we do that. And it, it speaks, it, it almost preaches in and of itself when, when we do that. And a trend that we've seen is, is people who've come to our church that have um, heard the gospel pre- clearly proclaimed, but they've not been discipled and uh, a reoccurring um, theme for us is we're hearing that churches in our area are going weeks at a time without opening the Bible, like literally not talking about any scripture. So I mean, it, it yeah. flows down that it's way with weird, how, isn't it? Like, like, what would you like? What do you what do you talk about? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if I'm going to church, what do you like? What would? So, okay, so I say some of this is foreign. It's not. I grew up mm-hmm. in a church where the dude taught, like he, he taught moral lessons from Forrest Gump in the Secret Garden. Right. Like he may mention a verse. But like, what what are most people teaching from? That if it's not scripture, well, I mean, I think it's it's kind of like you're taking the topical idea, but you're you're running with your own motivation with some kind of scriptural influence, right? Where okay. uh, there's like some kind of scriptural um, crutch that's kind of helping hold it up a little bit. It's giving it some kind of biblical basis, but it, it's it's not sound. It, it's you know, um, there's no exegesis there. Um, and, and again, like even just just turning to the word as a as a congregation in the morning, like the the gathered assembly uh, doing that just speaks volumes of, of what we actually think about the word. So it's one thing to affirm it, but when you actually do it, yeah. So so I, I think that. So first of all, if I can jump in, please. There's, yeah, there's nothing you, you, kinda, you did jump in. So I suppose, okay. Let, yeah, why let not? me jump in jump and in. say something. <laughs> first of all, there's nothing wrong with learning from Forrest Gump. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Um. So no. so chill. No, 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 wait. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to. That's all he talked about was Forrest Gump. It's not like he mentioned Forrest Gump as an application. Like, it was week after week, Forrest Gump. It's a long movie. <laughs> I mean, it's like three hours long. Okay, yeah. good point. There's good a lot point. in there. Secondly, <laughs> does it bother you, Michael, that I, that I preach from an iPad, that I don't, like, physically open the Bible? No, that's why I said I wouldn't go as far to say oh, that. Okay. Um, I, I mean, even for like my cross-referencing, I'll, I'll, usually, I'll turn to our screen and say like, you know, this, this passage, I've got it written down in my notebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, like we, we do call uh, our, our church um, in Medina to, to open up their Bible. Uh, we give out scripture journals. So we'll say, grab that. Yeah. Um, you can open up your phone, but like actually turning to it in some way, shape or form, um, it literally, it, it shows what you believe. I mean, you even look at James, you know, faith without works. I mean, it, it's taking your faith and actually putting it to work. Right. And the same thing can be said with, with scripture. You, you say that it's sufficient. You say that it, it's God's actual words to his people, but then you never even turn to it. Yeah. So, so what, one of the things where I can see, um, in, in like sermon prep, how I can, there are times, and, and maybe I'm the only one here, but that has struggled with saying, "Okay, like I, I, this is me. This is me. Maybe I, I'm relying or thinking, overthinking, maybe like a joke to put in or something of my own, or even thinking like in the sermon, like I, uh, there, like having that 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 internal struggle. If I know like in a morning where maybe I'm not in the right mindset, to where my reliance is really on my oratory skills and not not on depending on the word to change people." Um, and so I know that that's something that I think pastors have to keep in mind. Uh, it, now that's something obviously we're teaching, but also like being open about the struggle and even in realizing as we're prepping, scripture is going to be the one that, that, that changes people. Not our illustrations are helpful, right? But that's not, that's not what's going to, you know, change hearts. Right. Like you, yeah, it's like, um, 
It's like color commentary when you're watching a sporting event. It's yep. like, okay, illustrations can like be sprinkled in to help people understand it. Jesus used analogies and parables and so right. forth. So I think good preaching should include that. But, um, you know, the you, you can't just have your stories and illustrations be the – be either the pool or the diving board like yeah, like right. both the, both the diving board and the pool need to be scripture and so i don't know where that but like even like you know we're in nashville right now so we're down here for the southern baptist convention and um even in today's conference um i don't know if you were awake for it jeremy you, you had a rough <laughs> night i, I know you're, you're like having trouble this morning <laughs> but um but there was like I, I won't mention names um but there was one preacher um, well, I'll mention his name because he did a great job. Herschel York um, preached this morning, and it was so like scripturally rooted, like yeah. it was it was based in the Bible. And he began by reading all of Psalm forty four, and it took a long time. Like, he, and he just took the time to like read the Bible. And um, there's another preacher that came out, and I won't, I won't mention his name. I don't even know if I remember it, but he came out, and it was like all these like cheesy one liners and stories, and it was like, are we going to get to the scriptures? Like, when's yeah. that happening? And, right. and and I, you know, I think some people are drawn to that, but I think as as pastors, we need to teach them to love the Word of God, and that needs to be what draws us in. Yeah, so I think mm-hmm. what that's to, to be weary of, right? Is if you go into if you open before you open up scripture, scripture, if you're like, you know what, I really want to talk about, I want to talk about this topic. Now, what? Let me let me Google this word search and see what scripture can emphasize this topic. Right. Yeah. Then really what you're, you're not really relying on scripture in its sufficiency. Well, Michael said a word earlier, exegesis. He did. What does that mean? Exit Jesus. Extra Jesus. I, extra Jesus. Is it extra? Yeah. What, what is this? What is this? Exegesis. Well, I mean, you all would know the, the textbook definition, but I mean, that, that's, that's properly expounding on the text that's there before you. You're not, you're drawing out what the text is saying as opposed to, to inserting your idea, which would be eisegesis, where you, right. you're, take, you're starting with um, your thought or your theme, and then you're trying to make it fit in the scripture. Um, and with expository preaching, you have to exegete the text where you're, you're moving through verse by verse, and you're saying, what does this text say? Um, what was the... Uh, author um, attending for his original audience, and how does it apply to us today as the church? Right. Yeah, and so in contrast, eisegesis would be like you were talking about, Jeremy, when you you got an idea, you thing you want to talk about. Yeah. It's not what the word talks about. It's like I want to talk about this. So I'm going to do a word search and just try to right. insert my thoughts into the Bible. All right. So so obviously it starts with with pastors teaching and and showing a good example of. Our, our, what we hold to when it comes to fishing scripture and on Sunday in the corporate gatherings. Because I think what we see, and I, I know we've seen this, and Mike, I'm really curious about your congregation, but like the how people in the church struggle with this, with, with, with the sufficiency of scripture. And, and whether they've heard that term or not, how, how do we see it? Well, I'm curious. How, how do we see people in our congregation struggle with this, wrapping their minds around it? Uh, where do we see this? the issue the most i think i think the most obvious place to see it is to feel like um i think it's quite common and it's probably natural um where christians feel like they can't interpret the bible on their own that's right so they feel like they can't just open the bible read it through the assistance of the holy spirit understand it and interpret it so instead they try to find the latest christian book they find their favorite author or their favorite pastor and, and what happens is you begin to miss out on something that God's actually called you to, to hear from him in his word personally. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, why do you think that is? I think, um, I think, I don't know. I don't know that I could say why. I, I, I know one fear uh, that I have is that, 
people in in the church begin to look at pastors as professionals rather right. than just leaders. And so we leave the interpretation up to the professionals. And if I'm not a pastor, then I need a pastor or I need some kind of theologian to mm. help me. So I, I think it's I think for a lot of women that I've spoken to, it's oftentimes men interpret scripture. I'm not allowed to interpret scripture. And and you, you think, run into that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. And and I also think pastors have we've done a, a not a great job at discipling women because of the practical complexity with it, right? I mean, I can't be like, hey, Susie, let's go out to get some coffee and study the Bible together, right? It's That, that could be awkward. You don't do uh, that? Uh, not one-on-one, no. It's okay. probably not the wisest thing to do. Well, Susie's my mother-in-law, so... Yeah, you can take your mother-in-law to <laughs> a coffee I'm pretty sure date. the scripture was about that one, too. Though, but, but. but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh uh, yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> so, so, but, but, yeah, but, so I think, I think there's a re- reality there that um, we need to do a better job at discipling husbands to, to, to teach their wives. Um, number one, I think mm-hmm. that we need to do a better job at, at discipling women in our church. But, but also, I, I think the reason why there's a fear starts with if mom and if, if mom and dad never see uh, how to interpret. So Maddox said to me the other day. He said, Dad, everything in the Old Testament foreshadows, I actually told Julie this, uh, foreshadows Jesus. Now, he, he, he's, he's not, he didn't come up with that on, on himself, right? He's learned that because he's heard me and Julie talk about Scripture and read the Bible um, with each other and with him. And so I think that that's, a, that's an important component. As, a, as kids, they need to see parents reading and interpret the Bible and going, oh, that's, you, that's how you do it. That, that's, that's how you read and, that's, and, it's, and it's enough. And I don't have to go to all the Bible studies. The, the Bible's enough. And so I think sometimes it's a reliance because no one's ever taught us how to do these things. I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. One, one last element to it, I mean, it goes back to the, the first part of this uh, episode is, is talking about pastors and properly exegeting a text. So when you're, you're living in a topical series and you're doing all these Google word searches and um, the congregation, whether or not they, they realize it, maybe they enjoy the messages, it's, it's very influential to them, it's a motivational speech, um, and then they don't think about it much, but they're not connecting the dots between the application to the scripture um, because it, it's been distorted. So then they're kind of like, I don't really know how the heck you got that out of that, but great, great word. And, but then at that point, they're looking at it and they're like, I can't get like Rosetta Stone for my Bible. Right. So like, right. I'm just going to listen to this guy. Yeah. Like, I can't do that. So have you all ever heard this? Um, I know the Bible says X, Y, and Z, but I've experienced this. Where experience becomes sufficient rather than, than the word. So we have um, a leader of a, a church in our town, and uh, they posted a video. They had um, a backwards theology podcast, pretty much. Uh, that's what I've dubbed it. And they well they they post yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they uh, they posted this video and it said, does God really care about what you believe? And they pretty much came to the conclusion about no. And that was that was really so disturbing weird. to me. Yeah. So um, I reached out to him, the one that I knew out of the two, and took him out to coffee. And he actually said that he cares more about the God of his experience than the God of the Bible. Yeah. Came out of his mouth, and, and we were talking about the sufficiency of Scripture. Um, and it was really disturbing to me because, I mean, what it came down to is, if you don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture, if you don't believe in the inerrancy, then we literally have nothing to stand on. And, and the fact right. of the matter is, is the word, um, teaches us about the God that we worship and the, the word 
teaches us about the way that people come to Christ. And, and the process is, is the Father's drawing them by the Holy Spirit uh, to, this, uh, to the Father through the Son. But it all happens through the Word. Yeah. Faith comes through hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So if, if, exper- right, if experience is what is sufficient, then really you're just made, making God in your own, like in your own image. Right. Right. Because if, if God isn't rooted in his word, he's rooted in how, how you feel about it. I mean, like, it's just an odd. So, and he's changing because our experience yeah. changes too. So, what, so like, we, we don't have an immutable God. So what we can all just agree on, experiences are bad. I mean, I've had some good experiences. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, so what, what, where, what, how do we deal with experiences then? No, I mean, I think God works through experiences. Right. Um, and, and I'm, what if you have an unbiblical experience? <laughs> oh, so let me give you an example. Someone says to me, um, listen, I heard God tell me to divorce this person, marry this person. Right. So God will never disagree with his own word, yeah. first of all. Right. And secondly, I'm super skeptical when people are just like, yeah, I was just driving down the road and God was like, hey, Will, I need you to do this. And I was like, okay, God. You heard people like talk yeah. like that? It, yeah. It drives me crazy. And I'm like, did you audibly hear this? Or I, I usually do, ask that. Do you need medication? Is it, <laughs> what know? did he sound like? Did he sound like yeah. you? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did he sound scary? I've met <laughs> people that tell me angels and demons tell them to do stuff too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and, yeah, and, yeah, you and get so, different experiences. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. And how do you know it's God? How do you know it's not a bad burrito you ate or whatever? <laughs> and um, mm. and it's just like, I, I, I'm hesitant to say God won't lead us in those things and make things clear to us because I, I do think that's the purpose of God's spirit yeah. dwelling in us. His spirit seals us and indwells his church until we're ultimately redeemed in glory. Um, but that unction of the spirit does not replace the clear revelation of God in his word. And it never goes against it. It never goes against all it. Right, right. All that's okay. the biggest thing. Like, so what I'm saying is, is like when these experiences are, are turning you away from the word and what the word says, then yeah. Well, and it's used, what, what makes me mad about it is it's used as a crutch all the time. Is like God's calling is used as a crutch to do what you want to do. Yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, yes. Like I see pastors do it all the time. Like COVID has has created like this coaching. You know the coaches carousel. Like at the end of every college football season, all the coaches switch teams and stuff. Yeah. COVID's created that like with pastors, and and they're like, well, God's calling me somewhere else. It's like. No, everyone in your church is mad over COVID and mask policies and race issues in America, and you're and you're done, and you're going somewhere else. It's right. like it's not God calling you somewhere else. You just want to want to switch things up. Like, okay, so so experiences aren't bad. You just have to interpret. They're not the bad. Of scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, what about creeds and like councils? So, do, do where, where where do we where do these things fit? Creeds and councils. I mean, obviously they're they're not. They're not scripture. We hold to a, a, a confession. Yeah, so like to put my cards on the table, this is, this is something like growing up that was very foreign to me. Yeah. Um, I was brought up in a tradition that it was just like the Bible only. We don't care what anybody else has written down about a doctrinal statement. Sure. I don't even know if the church I grew up in had a doctrinal statement. It was just very just, you know, whatever the Bible says, we don't care about anything else. Yeah. Um, but like creeds and confessions, especially historically, are helpful because it, it, it shows us the guardrails of Christian orthodoxy, first of all. Um, but then even on like tertiary issues, like things that we would call open-handed issues that we can, uh, for example, like we're Baptists, but things that we would get along really well with Presbyterians on, there's still a couple of things we're going to disagree, like baptism, for example. Um, so like a Presbyterian 
confession like the Westminster Confession is going to be different than the 1689 London Baptist Confession in certain areas like that. And um, But they're both in Orthodox Christianity. You know, so what I find interesting is how many people, and uh, when I think of conservative Christianity, I think of I, I, what comes to mind, and whether this is fair or not, I, I think of the people like the churches that you grew up in. Uh, when yeah. I think of conservative Christianity, and I think we would, most conservatives value secular. Let's say, let's say American history. Yeah. You, you, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I think there's something about creeds and councils that that gives a very healthy history to the church, mm-hmm. and you can see past heresies repeat themselves. Yeah. And and like n- there's nothing new under the sun the church hasn't dealt with in the past. Right. And so I love that. Like yes, we have scripture, but and of course most your creeds and your confessions all they are is a uh, systematic you know yeah it's just organizing right. it's organizing principles that are rooted in the bible like every every good one yeah and, and what is I love deeply is, rooted in the bible it's got scripture references all throughout it right and I, and I love that you can look back at these and say look and we didn't just come out with these things right we, they, we've this is something this is an ancient faith that we've believed that, that we've believed these things for a long long time yeah and if you have if you have a system of belief that that is not historical it 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 causes doubt right like right. like mormonism for example or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like some of these cults that shoot off from christianity it's like yeah how did this just come about randomly you know okay well, in a I'm cave a, let, let yeah. me let me play devil's advocate With golden plates and an angel coming to you okay i won't play devil's advocate the devil needs no advocate wait, jeremy wait, wait, sorry okay. i missed the first so, one okay so you say scripture is sufficient for all things Did i hear you right I, mean, I should make sure I got you right. A little louder for the people in the back. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. So here, yeah, I say that. Here's my question. It doesn't tell us about UFOs. It doesn't tell us about the internet. It doesn't tell us about the inevitable AI threat that approaches our future. AI. Hey, uh, Alan Iverson? intelligence. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Alan so, Iverson is the answer. So, so here, <laughs> here's my question. How can we say it's sufficient when, when the world has changed so much from when it was written? How can we say it's sufficient for everything when... The world looks so different. Well, I think the beautiful thing about Scripture is that it's alive and it stays relevant even when the world changes. So you can look at it's, it's important to understand when it was written. Mike even mentioned uh, who it was written to, who the author was, what it was intended for them, what it meant to the original readers. Um, but but yeah, it, it does not it does not lose its relevance. Um, and I think that's something that's that's really supernatural and speaks to the inspiration of it, is that as technology has developed, as humanity has progressed, or um, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, evolved or whatever, as we've progressed technologically and societally, um, it, it's remained relevant, and yeah. it's just as relevant as it's always been. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think because what what it's put out there is kind of God's standard for holiness, and those things don't change just because so yeah, there's internet. Well, like, right? Yeah, I was gonna say like the internet's a good example. It's like okay, just because um, the sta- you know the standard against lust, for example, internet yeah, right. makes us think of pornography. So like the standard against lust, um, which in the in the times that the Bible was written was like um, you know the scriptures say I, I will not I'll make a covenant with my eyes to not look at a handmaiden. Well, yeah. that applies to uh, Viewing pornography as well. Yeah. Or and foot maiden. No maidens. Yeah. No hand maidens, foot, foot maidens, <laughs> hand, foot, and mouth, uh, whatever. <laughs> Just like stay away from it. All so right. UFOs aren't addressed. 
maybe maybe we'll do another podcast episode yeah. on UFOs yeah. sometime. <laughs> we're, we're gonna talk about that. That's all. Fight me. That's all up to the American government, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so we'll, that, but that's what we would call a, a non-biblical issue. But we'll we'll talk about that soon. Um, all right. So you're a conspiracy theorist, aren't you? I'm not actually. I'm not. So yeah. let's, let's first we gotta before we end, we need to yes. do the mailbag. Mailbag. Mail all right, here we go. We got um, one question. In this week's mailbag. Are we doing the mailbag because Heather's not here? So yeah, well... There's okay. no female bag? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad joke. That's, Sorry. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay. The, the Bible says your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What name does it say? So does, does it say Julie Jordan or Julie Barry? What what is the name that's written? Is it is it William Basham or William Basham, William K Jefferson Basham? Which what does it what what is the name that is written? This I thought this was a really fun question. Yeah, I like to think it's the name that my parents should have given me. Should have been not the one. <laughs> like but something like you don't like really cool. I feel like God was gonna name me something like Alpheus or. Like Alpheus, <laughs> that's what you're gonna go with. I would definitely pick Michael over oh, Alpheus. Alpheus. They would shorten it to Alpheus. Alf, which Alf. is an alien. Back to the UFOs thing. Yeah, yeah. Which shows they exist. Yo, I'm dead. Say well, the Bible also says we'll be given a new name in heaven. Ooh, so maybe, maybe it's there's a name. The answer. Maybe it's a name that we don't know yet because we're gonna get it. When there, we get to will this cause any confusion at the gates? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, Yo, my name's Michael. Like regi- registration at the down. SPC was hard enough. Like when we we're at uh. the pearly gates trying to get in. Like <laughs> you want the want the birth name, you know, my maiden my name, name, married like, name, heavenly name. So scripture says that I'm going to get a new name. The scripture does say that. Um, I tend to look at those things as not that I don't take the Bible literally, but like for example, the like careful, it's sufficient. No, it's sufficient in all things. It is William. sufficient, but like when oh. when it says our name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, I don't I don't feel like heaven is some like office with you know giant books and it's like Santa's <laughs> workshop and he's got to like actually physically like find a pen and write. There's it no down office and, there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's lang- it's poetic language used to describe, you know, if you know someone's name. Like, I have trouble with names, right? I have trouble remembering names, you know, and, um, you know, I'm I'm I thankful for you, Jeremiah. And, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to be Jerry. Uh, Jerry, yeah. yeah. Jerry Berry. <laughs> um, but, like, I struggle with names. But, like, if you know someone intimately, like, you know their name, and you, you don't right. just know their name, you know the meaning behind it, you know their personality, um, like like my children, right? Their name has meaning. Um, it, it has a lot of depth to it. And so I think it's it's poetic language that's beautiful that describes God's relationship with his children that he He is not going to forget us. It's kind of like a birth certificate, if you will. And so mm. um, I think it's just poetic language that's used to describe our relationship with a, with a good heavenly father rather than there being a physical book. Now, like, was, I could be wrong on those things. But I like to think of a physical book. Sounds that's cool. Fine. Yeah, yeah, like which opens up. Yeah, yeah, with Alpheus written in it. Alpheus. So, so okay. you're really stuck on that, aren't you? So here's my here's my question. I actually hate it now that you like took it back to that redheaded alien. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, I still love that show. The so, long snout. I wasn't old enough. Real quick, can you can you tell me? Do you know like you know the meanings of all your kids' names of like now? Oh gosh, uh, Bella. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss at least two of them. I think Bella means beautiful in Italian. Okay. Micah means messenger of God. Okay. Maya, I don't remember the meaning of, but she chose her own name, so mm-hmm. like she can, 
you know. For me, it's, the relevance is that Maya was Maya had a new name because she was adopted. So yeah. it, it's, the significance is that she got to pick her name. Her middle name's Cat, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, Judah, um, <laughs> Judah um, is of course the tribe that mm. Jesus came out of. I don't remember the Hebrew meaning of Judah off the top of my head. Teva is the Hebrew word for uh, vessel of safety. Yeah. Um, that that Moses was put in the basket um, when, before he was adopted. Um, so when we were adopting Teva, he was actually in a, an accident, and his car seat saved his life. Yeah. And so we named him after that car seat, kind of. No, so. that's cool. I love that story. Yeah, so there's some meaning behind all of them. Do you, do you know your, the meaning of your kids' names? Maley's is beautiful in Japanese, and Ever means strong as a boar. Nice. And she's strong we as a boar. We both named our girls, uh, first, firstborn girls, beautiful. Yeah, so we were actually, um, no one knows, like, Meili, like, even the origin, mostly. And we went to uh, a hibachi place uh, in our town. And uh, the two workers there were like, oh, Meili, like, that's a name from our, our homeland. And it was really cool to actually meet somebody who knew it and then didn't tell you, like, it actually means, like, dung from where, like, right, where yeah, we're from. Like, get, like, nervous <laughs> yeah, from like, I wasn't looking up, like, Japanese names for my children, but right. that one came up and it's pretty, so. What's Maddox mean? Yeah. Maddox Isaiah is a, uh, the... Precious salvation of the Lord. Okay. How about clear? Clear gift from God. It's clear, Elise. It's okay. clear gift from God. Love it. Yeah. Claire, um, Claire's a really sweet girl. She told me that I was an awesome pastor <laughs> the other day. <laughs> she did. She and, was like texting you. And hey, like, I want to I get this on a recording so that it's kept forever in some archive. Yeah. Um, she, she told you were she a good pastor. Added, yeah, she, I was a good pastor and she, awesome pastor actually awesome, is yeah. the word she used. Yeah. And she added that I was cool. <laughs> Yeah, and she and she seemed to indicate like in contrast to to her dad. <laughs> that was a cool pastor. Well, my Maybe wife, the cool one. My wife finally moved off Woolbash and being her favorite pastor. So, oh, oh wow, that's it's about time we only planted our church like yeah. three and a half years ago, and that she finally. Scary. Yeah, yeah now it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> You're dead to me. All right. All right, thanks for listening. If you have any questions you want to uh, for us to talk about chat about answer put them in the mailbag you can do that by getting on the app and there's some you figure it out just solve it yourself you can ask a question there's a little button you is, is that what it is i think there is that go. right baker yeah oh, there's a there's a yeah. button you can ask a on question. sunday go to baker and say how do i do it usually I'll heather you. gets them but you know yeah. she's on maternity leave she is anyways have a great day peace be with you alpha out <laughs> alpha out <laughs>